Hi everyone, Matt here and I'm just jumping on at the start of this podcast to say this is a live recording from the recent Therapy Live Sport, Gym Sports edition and uh, a big thanks to Physio Matters for allowing us to take this recording and provide it to uh, you guys uh, as a podcast. I think it was an excellent chat between me and Josh so I didn't want to do any editing really of it at all so I'm going to stop now and hand over to Jack, who uh, did the introduction for us on the day, and then we'll crack on with the chat. I'd be really interested to to know your thoughts, particularly as I personally see personal training and massage therapy having such close links within the industry, and there's probably loads that we should and could be doing uh, to provide better outcomes for our clients, basically. All right, thanks very much, and I'll speak to you all soon. Good afternoon, everyone. Let me give you a moment just to pile in from the waiting room. Hope you've not made a mess in there. I've, I've really had a good day so far. I can't believe how much I've learned. My notes are pouring off this desk. And so I hope you have too. Thanks for all your feedback so far. And welcome to this particular session. Really interesting one. Um, really popular sessions in shows gone by have been our Massage Matters Live podcasts. And the Massage Collective, this time represented only by Matt Scarsbrook, he's having a one-to-one interview with Josh Mullin, a brilliant personal trainer who both of these two gents speak across their disciplines really, really well, but also always looking to integrate things into wider MSK practice and understand how they can best serve clients and patients alike. So really looking forward to listening to this. I'll be in the background and probably won't even turn up unless something's gone wrong. So if you see my face popping up, that's a bad thing, uh, as it often is. Um, But what I do want to introduce is our sponsor, and that is the school. Now, if you've not clicked on uh, these guys' badges and banners today or looked in the expo hall, then you should, because they are the Physio Matters and Therapy Live Massage School partner, manual therapy partner, anything to do with therapeutic touch. And the reason we're so proud to work with them is quite simple. They are the only people in town in this space that will integrate hands-on care in a sensible, evidence-informed manner for the betterment of all clinical practice. And they are bridging divides like no other. And so we are very proud to work with them and you would absolutely benefit from their services and products. Have a little click on the banner to have a look into their upgrade course, especially during the pandemic. There's been people that have become, I would argue, too distant from their clinical hands-on skills. Have a little look there. Also, they've got Ben Cormack from Core Kinetic on on a two day course on a CPD weekender about therapeutic movement that they're doing a discount on for today if you click on the badge, which I will pull out in a second. And so, yeah, two great offers there. Absolutely check out their work and massive thanks to the school for all that they do with us. And uh, I'll hand over to Matt Scarsbrook for this live Massage Matters podcast. Do check out the podcast feed as well, and I'll clear off and uh, have a great session. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> And there we go. It wouldn't be a live Massage Matters podcast if I didn't throw in the theme tune at least once. <laughs> what is the point in, in playing around with all this fancy tech if you can't, uh, if you can't use it whilst you're live? So, um, good afternoon and uh, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, as Jack said, I'm Matt Scarsbrook uh, and I usually with my co-hosts, uh, Anna Maria and Becky, would present the Massage Matters podcast. But today I have a... Um, what should we say, guest co-host, uh, in so much yeah. that I have um, Josh Mullin joining me from PT Toolbox. Um, Josh, do you want to just introduce yourself very quickly, give people a little bit of a bit of background on yourself? Of course. So uh, I've been a personal trainer 
uh, full-time since 2007. And then since 2010, my role has been educating other personal trainers through two of my companies. So that's kind of the whistle stop. That's the quick version. <laughs> Very quick version. And I think it's fair to say when it comes to personal training, you know your, you know your way around a little bit. I'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> so we decided today with um, Therapy Life Sport being focused on gym sports, we wanted to, well, I wanted to ask the question or, or, or discuss the topic, why we think every clinic needs a personal trainer. And I wanted to sort of start with this just to give um, a quick overview, really, of, of, of the market of personal training, um, I, which I think gives a, a really good grounding as to why we might want to consider a personal trainer uh, in every clinic. So it turns out that the UK is actually second only to Germany in regards to the number of health and fitness club members. Um, over the whole of the UK, we've got over 10 million uh, people who are a member of some form of health and fitness club. Um, there's about 7.2 thousand uh, combined health and fitness clubs and about half of those are fitness only so effectively they are gym environments um, with personal trainers themselves or registered personal trainers there's about 23,000 in the UK or as of about 2020 now that's dropped off a little bit because of COVID um, but that's grown from about 15,000 back in 2011 so you know this is a market that's definitely growing there are a lot of people interested in being a personal trainer and the market value was valued at about 690 million um, pounds in in 2020 so from my perspective um, looking at the way that COVID has brought changes around people's focus on physical health but also their availability I suppose working from home a bit more flexibility perhaps at the time um, and, and the way that obviously personal trainers are you know, they're there, they, they work all, all these hours under the sun to be flexible around their clients. It strikes me that this is a, a personal training is, is, a, is an area that's only going to continue growing. Now, if we compare that with about 74,000 physios, as an example, uh, in, the, in the UK in 2020, um, Mr. Jack Chu just now let me know, he reckons about 42,000 of those are musculoskeletal focused. Um, but Back in 2019, which is when I've got the data for, only about 19% of people visited a physio at least once a year. So one of the, the key bits that jump out for me from that is that personal trainers are going to have a huge influence on the health and fitness behaviors and habits and beliefs and everything else that comes with that far more so on the general population than therapists. And so it strikes me that having a better relationship with personal training within an MSK therapy approach just makes complete sense. I mean, Josh, what, what do you think about on, on those figures? Yeah, so to me, I, I was actually quite shocked at how many physios you said there were currently in the UK. But... Um, I don't know why that shocks me. I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, I'm imagining most of them are NHS. There's probably a smaller proportion that are obviously private practice. Yeah, and that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And just to give a bit of background, like one of my businesses is uh, running face-to-face -face qualifications for uh, level three personal training courses and level three and four sports massage therapy courses. And we see, like, when I look at those together, I see a health and fitness practitioner if they've done both courses. But the thing that I really see is, is there's 
this real big divide with my students. They, they like to think they're one or the other. I'm a PT or I'm a sports massage therapist or I'm some sort of, you know, a manual therapist. And <clears throat> as you've just said, the benefits to embracing one or the other in a business sense is just, is undeniable. Um, and I think, as you mentioned there, just from a, just from the perspective of you've got all these people that, you know, go to physios, I think, was it, you said one, once a year? Uh, about, yeah, only about 19% of people visit, visit once a year. Yeah. And that's so the, the thing that we generally see, especially because we've got a clinic here as well, is that people will come to us when they're in pain. But then you've got personal trainers who are, who are reaching out to hundreds and thousands of other people who aren't in pain, but would definitely benefit from your services. And I think that's kind of the mindset shift that we need to see within clinics and from you know, therapists of all, all um, across the spectrum, really. That's kind of my thoughts on it so far. There are some other bits as well. <laughs> of course. Well, because... <laughs> Well, one of the one of the, the the elements that we talk about more frequently uh, now within within private practice um, is this multidisciplinary team approach, this MDT approach, and usually that that involves a, you know a, a combination of say a physiotherapist, maybe a, a manual therapist, maybe an exercise uh, or, or sports rehab type therapist, but but never in these conversations do I. Do I hear PTs being included within that MDT? And for me, that that's probably missing a trick because whilst whilst as you say, we we as musculoskeletal therapists, we see a client usually when there's a problem, then they go away again, and then they might come back again when there's a future problem. Having that sort of personal training approach, where actually you're not there to help deal with musculoskeletal problems per se it is more an approach to lifestyle and approach to overall health and well-being then actually that that as an extension of what you can offer as a clinic as a team internal referrals that to me makes an awful lot of sense definitely and so we work with um we're a recruitment partner for a local um group of chiropractors and the thing that they're finding is they need so they have their, their base level of chiros. I think they've got about 50 staff in total. So they've got their base level of chiros. Then they've got um, a layer of sports massage therapists. And now what they've started to do is recruit exercise specialists and personal trainers, as you said, to have that in-house referral system to offer a massive amount of value to their clients, but also to, from a business point of view, you know, you want to keep the business, uh, so you want to keep the money within your ecosystem, you know, that's, that's quite a big thing. And then also, I would say more importantly, you can then monitor quality and you can control, you know, what that personal trainer is, you know, you can have some sort of standardization across the board with your approach. And I think that when, when you pin that down, that's going to be an absolute game changer. When let, let's pick up on that, on that quality side of things, actually, because that is a, a common complaint that I've come across uh, or, or, or sort of heard, heard about in particular, when you've got therapists who uh, express frustration perhaps at the advice that their client has been given by their personal trainer or the conflict maybe that goes on when a therapist is setting rehabilitation sort of homework, if you will, and then the personal trainer goes, well, no, we should do it my way, I should do it this way. And most of the time that, that comes down to a bit of a clash between 
personalities and, and approaches but you know everyone everyone works differently but also things like evidence-based approaches and 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 uh, being more shall we say up to date in, in in our thinking now looking more into this um i've come across obviously that that simpsper uh, who are the chartered institute for the management of sport and physical activity have obviously done a load of work helping build up professional standards within um within personal training. Are you able to speak on that a little bit from, from what you understand from around that? Yeah, definitely. I'm actually on one of the, um, the educational boards for SimSpar. So we're trying to help set some standards within qualifications for the fitness industry. Because the thing is, and I'm sure you see this across, um, you know, different degrees and different courses and different, you know, within the, the therapy world, but I'm sure you can all agree within the personal training world, the quality is, let's say, scattered at best. You know, some of these personal trainers out there are working off of qualifications that were probably 10 years out of date when they did them. There are other personal trainers that go above and beyond to make sure that they give out the best advice and they're, you know, continually reading and learning and going on courses and they're making sure that they deliver the best they can for their clients. I think if you're going to work with a personal trainer, you're going to refer your clients to your P, uh, to a PT within your business ecosystem. I think it's going to be very, very important that you look at the qualifications they have, um, the insurance they have, and make sure that you sit down with them, maybe over a coffee, and just have a discussion about the principles that you believe in and that they believe in. Because the last thing you want is to be teaching, you know, is telling your client something and then having a completely contradictory point of view coming across from someone that's meant to be working with you. I've had that happen before. And being completely honest, when I was a, when I was a beginner personal trainer, when I was, I was 17, 18, 19 years old, if I had someone come to me referred from a physio or anyone else from that realm, I would be terrified of doing something wrong. And then, you know, the, them going back to their physio and saying, oh, he got me to do a single leg squat on a box. And I'd be like, oh, I was terrified. So, um, and then I've had, I've had the, the opposite side where I've spoken to therapists on our level four course where they're saying, you know, I didn't want to give any exercise prescription because I didn't want the personal trainers to think I didn't know what I was teaching and I didn't want to contradict what they were saying. So I think really that the real issue is a lack of interdiscipline communication and, you know, shared, shared knowledge and shared uh, communication lines. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, again, I don't, I don't mean to teach you to suck eggs, but from a from a, a musculoskeletal therapy perspective, obviously there's been a a significant, or there is a continuing to be a significant shift towards exercise exercise based rehabilitation. Um, that may be a lot of news for a lot of sort of massage therapists in particular, but moving towards actually rehab needs to be active, but also in terms of understanding load and that the load that someone is is put under in order to uh, encourage sort of adaptive changes positive adaptive changes that needs to be higher as well and then suddenly you start sort of thinking well maybe my piece of theraband isn't good enough to do rehab anymore so i need to look for uh, heavier loads and that tends to lead us then to a gym environment but most i would i would hasten to guess that in general, MSK therapists are not particularly comfortable or familiar with the gym environment. Um, and, but at the same time, PTs don't have the, 
well, the training or the scope of practice to be providing rehab for injuries, you know, that, that assessment and diagnosis stuff, kind of things. So I'm just going to pick up on a question, and, and this is a point, actually. And for, for those who are listening to us uh, live, um, throw your questions out uh, as we go, and, and we'll pick up on them. Uh, and, and, and discuss them uh, as we go rather than have a, a, a Q&A section at the end. But uh, we'll start with Mr. Jack Chew because uh, he's um, accused us both of being wimps if we avoid this one. Um, but uh, which is better in your view, PTs in clinics or MSK therapists in gyms? Personally, I would say PTs in clinics. I think just from... Um, from the perspective, the environment is going to be less intimidating for probably 90% of the population. Um, it's going to be a lot more focused, less distractions, less loud music. I've tried to do rehab stuff in a commercial gym before, and it is a nightmare. You know, trying to keep someone calm, you're trying to teach them that their body's not in danger, and then you've got drum and bass coming from the spin room and someone shouting, you know, they're verbally assaulting their clients, and, you know, it, it gets a bit chaotic. So I personally think PTs in clinics. That's, that's uh, really fair, actually. I, I hadn't considered necessarily down to the environment, the environment perspective. But uh, yeah, certainly if you're dealing with people who um, are are nervous to begin with, they're you know, like you say, they're in pain. Perhaps they've never lifted load before, and you're trying to introduce them to this concept that actually loading is good and and, and can help with all sorts of uh, underlying issues. Um, then actually that environment is is really important. So, um, so Jack, yeah, I think we're going to pick PTs in clinics on that one. Um, not to say that MSK therapists can't go to gym environments, and this is something that I've um, touched on in either in previous podcasts or in my own head. Sometimes I can't remember which is which. Uh, but where I think in professional sport, there's a huge focus of rehabilitating some someone, you know, that, that athlete, rehabilitating them, in the environment in which you want them to perform mm. um you know it, oh this was it i was talking to jamie johnson on this and and he rehabilitates he works with ice hockey teams in in canada and he rehabilitates the, his um his skaters on on the ice at the ring even if they can't take place take part in the training uh session because of their injury they're still part of the team they're still in that environment whereas i think we're guilty sometimes in in therapy in particularly in the general population rehabilitating that person in our environment and not in their environment and i think perhaps there's a there's a call there for if you've got a someone who wants to be getting back to the gym if that is part of their their outcome that they're aiming for actually as an msk therapist uh either stepping into the gym or even better because we're not taught specifically in a gym environment we don't have that experience Use the PT in your multi in your multidisciplinary team and get that client back into that gym environment. But you're right; I think managing the environment is really, really important. Um, so Rory's asked as well. He said, um, I, "I believe in recreational sports, massage therapist, sports therapist, and a PT create the essential MDT that's seen in sport." So how long do we think this will start to take off? Uh, it's something that he's pushing hard in in uh, Sheffield uh, with a base of eight PTs in his network. So do you see this? Do you have, other than obviously your own experience, you talked about that chiropractic clinic, from your network of personal trainers, how, how do they find working alongside MSK therapists? I think it, it honestly comes down to the type of trainer that they are because 
and I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent here. You know me, Matt. I like to be transparent with people. Um, a lot of the people that come through our doors for um, the Level 3 personal training course will never, ever want to work within a rehab setting. They have been conditioned to see personal trainers in the gym, doing body transformations, you know, circuit classes, whatever. Like, they're very, how do I put this, surface-level personal trainers. They, they, they're happy training their clients for fat loss and everything else, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then you get a few people that are fascinated. You know, we normally see it when we're teaching the anatomy side of the course. They're fascinated. They start to see, you know, how the body works. They want to see how they they can fix people. They can help people that have, um, sorry, much of probably my, uh, my language with that one, negative language. <laughs> uh, you're not broken. We don't need to fix you. Um, so, so, you know, and they, they start to really dive in. And I'd say probably one in 10 of the trainers that I work with will go on to, to some sort of rehab role. Um, quite a few of my guys now are starting to be, be steered towards the NHS uh, kind of MSK route, and they're starting to go through physio degrees and stuff. But the problem is, and this goes back to my earlier point, the difference in quality of, of qualifications and courses and you know, guidance and mentorship. There's no central area where PTs can go and say, look, I want to I do more rehab. I want to do more MSK work. I want to work with therapists. Where can I go? And Simspa, they are stepping up slightly. However, they're not a governing body. There's no legal requirement for personal trainers to register with them. So a PT can do a course and they can disappear. We never hear from them again. And they could PT for 20 years and we would never know. And, you know, so there's where there's no kind of central body, there's no governing body, it makes it very, very difficult. But that being said, yeah, about one in 10 of our people move on to more advanced training to do with rehab and that sort of stuff. And obviously, I'll be sending them to the school from now on. <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs> well, I mean, I mean and, and, you know, I've got to say from um, this, this is probably a common theme within the vocational training within health and fitness in general you know as a, as a coming from the massage industry you know i've got to be careful not to throw stones in my glass house when it comes to discussing levels of qualification um and uh almost equality of equality of quality that's probably not the best way of putting it across the board when it comes to these the the way the qualifications are, are provided uh the fact that there are uh, custom-made qualifications that you can have that are different to sort of the, shall we say, the nationally recognised qualification frameworks. There's a, there is definitely a, uh, a big barrier, I think, for, for for therapists perhaps who are running their own clinics and looking out into the market and going, well, how do I know who to hire? How do I know who's going to be the best therapist uh, in, 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 this, um, in this arena. And actually, I was looking on, uh, is it fitness? There's a web, I uh, can't remember what, so there's a, there's a fitness uh, training provider um, uh, in PTs. And anyway, they had a, a list of um, kind of points that they were saying about PTs in particular and how so many of them actually aren't ready after a level three qualification, they're not yet ready to go into a live working environment and actually need further training almost by the, by the provider. And obviously an MSK therapist is not going to want to be able to, not going to want to do that because it's not their area of expertise. That's almost, that's almost the point, isn't it? Um, 
they want they want that therapy they want that pt coming in because it's the pt's level of expertise yeah and this again this is the problem that i'll be honest i see it all the time like i i deal with a lot of doctors and um i work with a medical insurance company who refer clients to me and the the overall view of personal trainers from the medical and healthcare profession is they are unprofessional and they're unregulated so if you were to reach out and but don't get me wrong there are amazing personal trainers out there thousands of them i run the uk's largest facebook group for pts i know there are pts out there that are that are just insanely good at what they do so i think if you're going to look for a PT to to work with or, or you know refer clients to this is this is not the best answer it's not it's not the easiest one but it's going to be trial and error I think it's going to be a case of speaking to a, a you know a local personal trainer and looking at their uh, testimonials maybe ask if you can see them in action see if they've got any um, you know if you could shadow them and just watch them with their clients or even do it from afar if you're that way inclined and then um you know, just get a feel for them over the long term. And then one thing that I've definitely done in the past, I've been guilty of that you shouldn't do is don't be afraid to terminate the agreement. If three months down the line, six months down the line, they don't seem like a good fit because I've fallen into that trap before where I haven't got rid of someone because it was too, too far down the line. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's just going to take trial and error and it's going to be a case of, sounding someone out but the other thing is if you can get um referrals from people that you know that have used that personal trainer then that is normally a very very good sign depending on who you get the referral from and the work and the work of of uh, organizations like simspa are definitely working on improving that situation albeit you know you know i think what they were chartered in 2012 and it was on that 2015 2016 sport england provided funding for the work they were doing so they're relatively early in their cycle of of um, uh, influence but that influence is only going to improve isn't it yeah and they are they are pushing very very hard to improve the overall um, external view of the fitness industry and that they're, they're they're driving it forward really really quickly which is good um, you know I can't fault what they do it's just they're in an unfortunate position where Theoretically, people don't need to listen to them, but a lot of people do, which is the good side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Lindsay's asking here, so Lindsay Campbell's asked, um, do we think the scope to develop PT courses directed to MSK physios or other therapists to help bridge that gap and, and incorporate the closer collaborations between PT and physios? Uh, so Lindsay says she works in the NHS and admits her gym knowledge is limited. Um, and I'm going to assume, Lindsay, that's that's largely because it's it's not included in the training uh, standard training in physiotherapy. But likelihood is you, you don't necessarily have that gym environment available in your NHS facility either, so you can't go off and play. So, I mean, Josh, do you do you get MSK therapists coming and doing PT courses? Very rarely, actually. Now that I think about it, we've. We've had some crossover because obviously we do offer the we do offer sports massage and personal training, but generally speaking, it will only be someone coming back to do the PT course if they've already done our massage course. Same. Because because they know about us and they get out, you know, regular marketing emails or you know, whatever, any of that other good stuff. So <clears throat> as a standalone, no, we don't really see many MSK professionals 
coming back to kind of upskill in the fitness world. But I would imagine if you looked at something like, you know, a level four in strength and conditioning or that sort of thing, maybe something more sports-based, there might be a higher uptake. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine, I can't obviously tell you definitely, but I would, I would think so. I must admit from, again, from personal experience, I've done some um, strength and conditioning introduction type courses with the UK Strength and Conditioning Association, the UK SCA. Um, and I know that they have a new qualification that's SIMSPA uh, endorsed that's coming out imminently, which is sort of a strength and conditioning level three trainer type qualification. Uh, and some places offer that alongside the personal training aspect. Um, one of the bits I must admit that when I was looking into the reading the standards that Simpsper have produced around personal training um, that jumped out at me is the focus on or, or, or the training within changing people's behavior. And that's another area that I hadn't necessarily considered before I, I, I read that, but obviously personal trainers have by the looks of things, uh, a specific training in, or at least that's where the standards are trying to push towards. Uh, but the MSK therapists don't necessarily get given. You know, we, we almost get, this is what to look for, this is how to diagnose it, this is how to treat it. But that that interpersonal piece of this is how to change someone's behaviour over the long term, particularly because, I mean, as the stats showed earlier, we rarely see people frequently throughout the year and even if we do see them it's you know we've seen for a bit and then hopefully you know they've moved on we don't really get that opportunity to influence that person's behavior but that clearly is something then that's brought into sort of et world so perhaps that's something that could be brought from pt over into msk therapy definitely i think in the past i would say two years there's been a massive push on behavior change education um, especially within, the, so one of the one of the awarding organisations from fitness for fitness qualifications is Active IQ, and they've just released a new personal training diploma, which is trying to plug the gaps that people have have said for quite a while have let personal trainers down when they go out into the field, as it were, not necessarily into the field, but um, and behaviour change is one of those one of those elements and. For anyone out there listening, um, let me just have a look at my bookshelf. There is a book which I'll hold up to the camera, which is Motivational Interviewing in Nutrition and Fitness. And uh, to get a baseline level of of knowledge of of how to ask particular questions. (laughs) 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 To, To develop a baseline understanding of, you know, the types of questions you can ask to elicit long-term behavior change um, or to move people through the different phases of kind of motivation and action and all that stuff. I think that's a very good place to start. Um, and obviously there, there are, there are a bunch more, but I do, I do definitely agree that I've never, I've never ever spoken to or used a physio or a chiro or anyone else that has spoken to me about long-term behavior change in any meaningful way. I've had someone that said to me, Oh, make sure you do this when you train or make sure you do this when you're sitting at work. And that's been it. One conversation, one line in the conversation. Whereas if you're a personal trainer and you're seeing someone three times a week for a year, there are going to be things that you can work on from, you know, an MSK perspective that are going to be massively beneficial. Um, 
so yeah, it is it is something that could definitely be included in a lot more of the courses, I think, definitely. To to build on that then, so Claire's asked, um so Claire Palling's asked, she she's looked into PT courses previously, but I guess because of the assumed entry point for most people looking to move into personal training, she can't find anything where she can skip sort of over the stuff that's included already she, as a physiotherapist that she knows, so basic anatomy, et cetera, and essentially pick up on the programming and nutrition and, and lifestyle guidance kind of uh, techniques. Do you know of any courses that kind of address those bits? <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's so funny. It's so funny you should ask. Um, yeah, basically, I'm not going to plug myself shamelessly here. I will give you the actual proper information. Um, so if you go to a training provider that you like the look of, you should be able to say to them, I've already got some um, accredited prior learning, APL. And you should be able to show them your certificate and say, look, I'm a physiotherapist. I don't need to learn your you know, happy meal anatomy for level two. And we can probably skip straight to the good stuff. And I, you know, I can help you with that. And if not, I can find you, I can help put you in touch with providers um, that can do that for you. But yeah, you should be able to go to any provider and say, look, I already have part of this qualification. And then all they have to do is make a note of it, take a picture of your certificate. And that's it. It's a very simple process. Um, so yeah, you should be able to do that, Claire. You should be able to do it. And, and that should be as, as standard. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Rory's asked here, this is quite an interesting one, um, and I guess this, this speaks a little bit about the conflict we sometimes see between MSK therapists and personal trainers, where obviously the only person who really loses is the client stuck in the middle. Um, do we think practitioners should just stay in lane? Yes and no. <laughs> so I think, yes, if, if you just want to be a really, really good personal trainer, there's probably no use you going on a sports massage course if you're not going to use it. However, if you have a passion for, if you think you can deliver a better service for your clients in, in, a, in an ethical way, like you're not just doing the course so you can charge more money or get different clients. Like I think if you're thinking about the end result for the client and you want to give a better service, then yes. But as a caveat to that, I don't think every personal trainer should try and dip in and out because, you know, it, it can become too much. There's too much to learn, in my opinion. It's never ending. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think, you know, as much as staying in lane, I think Rory might be alluding there to sort of scope of practice type issues. Um, mm. and, and that's certainly something that from the massage world, uh, I'm familiar with people stepping outside of their scope of practice for a given level of qualification, um, you know, level three massage therapist providing injury assessment and rehabilitation advice when it's not part of their core qualification. That, that is one thing. But I think also there the probably is a, a point that you were making there, which is what's wrong with specializing in providing a certain type of service and being bloody good at it as opposed to trying to spread yourself over lots and lots of little bits and, and being okay, but not necessarily the best in the business. And yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And I mean, I'll be completely honest. When I was, when I was just a young personal trainer back in the day, I 100% like here was the line of scope of practice. And I was trying to do a long jump over it. I was, you know, for me, I was just, I was eager to learn, but I didn't really understand that 
I probably should stay within my within my constraints. So I was doing rehab stuff for people, but it was based on you know going home and googling, and it was just it was terrible. I should never have done it, and I I hold my hands up to that. Next time you see me, Matt, you can slap me in the face for that. That's fine. <laughs> I accept it. But <laughs> you know this is why I think people have got to go out and start getting upskilled in these things because would you rather have a personal trainer at home googling? you know, shoulder injury hurts when I touch it, or do you want them to go and get qualified so they can give a better, you know, it's, it's two different, you know, two different worlds of information. And then you think about the end result for the client. Like I said before, it's just, it changes their world. If you can do either both through a referral, if you can do both on your own, it's amazing. Karen, who um, is, is a regular here at, at Therapy Live, hi Karen, um, has made the comment, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but often that's better than master of one. So sometimes, you know, so she's saying it depends on the individual and their circumstances. I think you're right. I think it, ha it helps to have a, a breadth of understanding. One of the uh, analogies I like to use in this uh, case. So Lorimer Mosley, who who speaks on pain education, um, he uses his iceberg analogy, which is you know the ten percent above the waterline. That's what the client needs you to know that they need to know that that's what you know. But what you need to know as a, as the therapist is, is also that ninety percent under the waterline. Um, and so yeah, there is definitely an, an element of you need perhaps a breadth and a depth far beyond just your scope but perhaps that makes you better at behaving in your scope so uh oh cheryl was just asking what the uh, motivational interviewing book was again should we do our twinsies again yeah so motivational interviewing in nutrition and fitness for anyone who's um, listening to this afterwards on the podcast it's by dawn clifford and laura curtis uh so yeah definitely well worth picking up a copy of that or stealing it from your nearest neighbor so We've we've been um, there's always a, a temptation to be PT bashing, I suppose, when you're a, when you're an MSK therapist and talking in this kind of capacity. Um, Jack has very helpfully uh, helped turn the tables by asking um, the opinion that you see and, and that your your communities have on physios. We um, uh, as as physio matters, um, we were at Ananza School. We attended the Arnold Sports Festival back in October, and in general, I mean, obviously there were a lot of personal trainers there, and there was an impression that physios simply told their clients to rest and see them instead of going back to the personal trainer, and obviously that is is going to create friction uh, between the two professions. Is that something that you've come across? Is that something you see or commented on or reported on within your communities? Yes. So I see it from, from two perspectives, but they, they have the same elements. So the two, the two elements are scarcity and fear. So <clears throat> when you look at a, a personal trainer in the gym, he's got, or he or she has got 20 clients and they, you know, they're doing, they're doing okay, but maybe they're not thriving. And then something happens to one of their clients and you say, oh, send them to a physio. What they think is going to happen most of the time is that physio is going to refer them to someone else or they're going to steal that client. You know, that's that's kind of the lingo that I see is that people go, oh, yeah, but what if the physio, you know, kind of steals my client? And I'm like, they don't care. They don't want your client from a PT perspective. And if your client leaves to go to another personal trainer, then there's probably something lacking in your service. But then so on the that that's obviously an irrational way of thinking. I don't know of any physios 
that I've ever spoken to or any MSK people that have said, oh yeah, I've stolen someone's client. You know, I love personal trainers. They send me so many clients. It's great. Never had that at all. <laughs> and you know, it's not like the Illuminati of physios going around stealing personal training clients. Um, so that's that's fear from the from the and scarcity from the personal trainer's point of view. But then the other feedback that I get, and I think we discussed this a, a few weeks ago, is that sometimes the language and and the way that physios are trying to to work with people is from a place of fear. You know, I've had it before where people say, oh, no, you, you definitely shouldn't go back to doing squats because this is what's going to happen, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then I've spoken to other physios and other, other people that I trust, and they're like, no, look, ignore that advice. Like, you need, to, you need to get out of this mentality of fear. You need to get back into the gym and start, you know, showing your body um, who's boss effectively. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think, as I said before, I think it's just a lack of communication or just some erroneous communication somewhere down the line that has pitted the two industries against each other as, as enemies, as it were. Um, it, yeah, it's very odd how that's happened. And I, and I have to agree with you. I, I, there is, again, there's definitely faults on the side of MSK therapists who warn people off uh, getting back into loaded exercise, gym-style exercise, um, because of concerns over... I don't know, joint health or, oh, you know, you've got OA, so you've got to stop doing your running or you've got to stop doing your weightlifting when, when actually, you know, those, those, those MSK therapists who are doing their, their, their level best to be as uh, contemporary as possible, as up-to-date and evidence-based as possible, they know that actually that's, that's not the case anymore. Unfortunately, as, as we come across in, in so many areas of this discussion, the education is, is perhaps lacking, particularly in, in those who have done their qualifications some time ago and haven't managed to keep up with uh, the way things have progressed. So, again, I mean, things, things, it would suggest things are looking up a little bit in terms of maybe PTs and physios uh, and MSK therapists in general are likely to have similar mindsets when it comes to approaching those kinds of activities and exercises uh, within a, say, a gym environment. Um, but perhaps, like you say, that, that communication piece uh, needs to be improved somewhat. So in, in the last uh, couple of um, minutes then, because um, we, we don't have uh, long to, to wrap this up, but any thoughts just off the top of your head, because we haven't really prepared for this, but any thoughts that you've had in the past or got now about how, how we might go around improving that communication piece or, or how individual therapists perhaps should be looking to try and improve the communication with their local personal trainers. Definitely. So there's a, there's a business strategy that I teach. It's very, very simple. And it's just building, building a network of, of like-minded professionals around your, your business. And so for personal trainers, obviously you can just replace personal trainers with sports therapists or MSK professionals. I would say to them, what you need to do is go into your local community and find all of the kind of, I guess you call them allied healthcare professionals, that sort of banner, and reach out to them. Go and have a coffee with them, learn what they're about. Maybe go and have a training session with a personal trainer. You know, if you've never had a, an actual one-to-one -one PT session, go and find a personal trainer. And uh, if you like them, and I can't stress that enough, take your time to decide if you like them, and if you're going to work well together, then perhaps you could extend the offer to build a referral system. And referral systems in, uh, in one of my businesses was literally the, the only thing that grew it. Um, that's the only, sorry, it's the only thing we had to do to grow it to a certain point where it was turning over 
you know, 250 grand a year. And that was just from referrals from other professionals and gyms. And it's, yeah, I would say just go out there, have coffee with people, discuss things with them and, and get to know them as, as people and then start to, you know, build referral networks that way. That would be my number one key way that we can break down these walls, man. <laughs> and then and then and then in in the last 30 seconds things things that we might be able to do on a on a wider scale i mean communication between i don't know simspur and um oh uh, definitely tick excellent guys uh between simspur and, and 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 organizations within the msk therapy um side of things again to make sure that the the level of education is 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 kind of not on par but at least equivalent no that's on par you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, I think there has to be 100 percent more i guess you call it cross-contamination between the qualifications so like one thing we could do straight away is put more rehab or or, or more movement-based stuff um into the pt course and we could put more exercise focus in the massage courses and I think that would be a great, great step. But I think until it becomes mandatory for things like SimSpa, I think we're going to have to do this on our own. This is going to be us sorting this problem out. Perfect. Well, Josh, I mean, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We're down to our, our final 60 seconds or so. But if people want to find out more about yourself, where can they go? Best bet is pttoolbox.co.uk. And that's also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then if they need any help, they can always reach out to me. And then my email is josh at pt2box.co.uk. Fantastic. And I've been Matt Scarsbrook with the Massage Matters podcast uh, as part of the Massage Collective and also representing the school. That's that's a several different hats. Um, if you don't follow our podcast already, please go and find us uh, and uh, subscribe. We do chats like this uh, and a whole bunch of others. We've just chatted to Ben Cormack on um, therapeutic movement and exercise. Uh, and we've just done a uh, discussion on that's going to be our next podcast after this one, I think, which is going to be on uh, psychologically informed practice. We do try and cover all the bases. Josh, that's been absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you, everyone, for attending. Thank you for all of your questions. That's been great. Uh, and we'll now unceremoniously dump you back into the uh, lobby so that you can go and find your next session. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, Josh. <laughs>